Glad to be joined on the line now by freelance journalist Michael Fox. Michael, you were present on the streets of Caracas on the day of Juan Guaido's attempted coup d'etat against the government of Nicolas Maduro. Talk our listeners through the events of the day and what you personally witnessed. Well, so uh, pretty much everyone woke up around 6 a.m. to the the news, to the tweet that Guaido had sent it out in which he was calling for an insurrection. Uh, Behind him were rows of military soldiers, tanks, and also Leopoldo Lopez, who's the opposition leader who's been under house arrest for several years for his role in the Wadimba Street protests, the 2014 Wadimba Street protests that killed dozens. Um, and so this was a shock. Many people just thought as soon as they saw that this, that a coup had taken place, he said he had occupied and taken Salota military base. And, um, <clears throat> and so it's kind of obviously flipped everyone's day upside down. The opposition uh, supporters, they all started to congregate around Altamira Plaza. Altamira Plaza is a kind of a bastion of the right wing in eastern Caracas, and it's a few blocks from Carlota. So people started walking in that direction. On the opposite side of town, <clears throat> Maduro supporters started heading, they got the word that they should go to Mitzvotes to try and protect the presidential palace in the west side of town. So as always in Venezuela, in Caracas, it's kind of divided into these two poles of west is, you know, very much of a, of a Chavista Maduro base, and then the east is the opposition. So people started heading these opposite directions. I, uh, I got a call actually from a friend who said, hey, it looks like a coup has happened. Uh, and that was about a half hour after Wido had tweeted his his tweet out with his statement. Uh, and I got a moto taxi and went to to the east side of town very quickly as quickly as possible. Even before I was there, though, there were already reports that he had not actually taken the base. There was a video kind of that was that was being shared on WhatsApp and Twitter of the base being completely in control of uh, of Maduro uh, <clears throat> soldiers. And then when I got to just outside of of Carlota and I got to Altamira, there were thousands of people there, why those supporters, uh, supporters of the opposition, um, but they were basically in, in pitched battles with the, the Bolivarian soldiers, with Venezuelan soldiers inside the base. They were throwing uh, rocks and other projectiles and the, and the soldiers were shooting tear gas to kind of push them back. Uh, and that was kind of the moment when I arrived. It was very, very clear that it had not been the insurrection that a <clears throat> it was reported earlier, and b the international news was still reporting for hours later, um, and this kind of went on uh, for several hours of of kind of people rushing down trying to get to the wall of the base and then being pushed back. Meanwhile, um, Guaido and Lopez and the soldiers were on an overpass near the base, and that's why people thought they'd actually taken it. Um, they remained there for several hours. At one point, his soldiers started firing at uh, soldiers in the base. And again, there was about just a couple dozen soldiers with him. He started firing people in the base. Um, and sane uh, people there were able to stop that. And um, and then it kind of just died down. And again, you know, one of the big issues in, in Venezuela, and particularly around Guaido, is the fact that the Venezuelan government is afraid to detain him and detain others because of uh, the the response from the, from the U.S. government, the potential response of saying that this uh, self-imposed president had been detained. 
to the extent people in the West are paying attention to the events in Venezuela, it seems there is a lack of awareness as to quite how profoundly distorted is the mainstream media's coverage of those events. For instance, on the day of the attempted coup, particularly in the first few hours, the impression was given in the rolling updates by various news agencies and outlets that Guaido had the support of the entire armed forces, if not a large section of the population. And yet, as you've uh, mentioned, he appeared in a video on the morning of that day flanked by only a few dozen soldiers and only a few thousand people surrounded the Calotta air base, as you've said as well, in support of the opposition. Meanwhile, the fact tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people gathered outside the presidential palace in defence of the government barely rated a mention in the Western press. How different is the reality on the ground in Venezuela compared to, frankly, the bullshit we're fed in the Western media? It's completely different. I mean, we're talking about two different realities, and they're able to do that uh, by several means. First off, and, and, and one very clear way of, of, of showing this is, for instance, the day after this attempted coup, there were big marches for May Day. Uh, why though led uh, so got thousands of people in Alcamina Plaza, uh, and this is what he called for rolling strikes on the country, although we're not sure exactly what, what that means. Uh, <clears throat> on the western side of town, however, uh, Maduro led, there were some of the largest, it was, it was one of the largest marches of Maduro's uh, presidency, hands down. Hundreds of thousands of people in the street, they marched across town. Almost nothing was said in the, in the international press. And not only that, but that evening, less than two hours later, Guaido went on Fox News and spoke to one of the hosts. And during, the, during the, the, his talk, he, he said that 91 to 95% of all Venezuelans are, want change and are against Maduro, and, and not even the armed forces are with Maduro. So that is the image, because Maduro is able to say it, because that's what they're going to put on the news, right? So that's what happened for, on, this, on this one-day Wednesday. Very, almost next to nothing, there was one line, I think, in a New York Times article saying that a bunch of people marched for Maduro. So we're not seeing what the reality is, and the news is being directed by U.S. officials. It's being directed by <clears throat> leaders of the opposition. Why don't does anything? Uh, there's any sort of a march, and there's tons of cameras there. There's tons of people there. And it's hard to say whether or not the international press is, on, on one side, just ignorant of what the reality is and, and just un- unwilling to cover the, you know, the mass protest for whatever, because they've also bought, uh, they've also drank in the Kool-Aid, we'll say, um, or whether they're kind of complicit within this. But another really clear example of this is uh, during the blackout, there was tons of news uh, and reports that people were drinking polluted water from the Rio Waide, which is a, a river that runs through Caracas. There were images of people kind of standing on the side, filling up their buckets with water, and then every news agency ran a story saying that they were drinking polluted water because it was so bad in the humanitarian crisis had gotten so bad. Well, over the last week, me in Venezuela, I've been interviewing people, and I went to Hidroven, which is the water company. <clears throat> and actually, there is – so uh, Caracas runs up alongside the Huaraida Hepano, which is this beautiful mountainside. And there's these natural springs that run water, and they have these pipes that run them down along the highway and in different sections of Caracas. And those pipes, that's where people went to when their water source and the electricity was out. Well, over the last week, I've been interviewing people. I interviewed people – who were actually getting water from those locations and interviewed people from either event. How is the water there? Were they actually drinking polluted water? Every single person said, no, that's a complete lie. That's a complete lie. We go here because this is the best water there is in Caracas. It's even better than our tap water. So the question is, is again, is the international press, 
do they know that and they're still reporting the story anyway? Or are they just not doing a diligent job as a press to fact check what they're doing? Or they're actually complicit in spreading these lies? As you've said, you had the opportunity to interview many uh, ordinary Venezuelans in the course of your reporting duties. Obviously, there are differences of opinion across the society about the various crises facing the country. But what is the general impression you gained of how ordinary Venezuelans view both the government and their own future? Good question, Alex. Uh, general is, is a difficult term because in Venezuela, again, it's divided into two camps, right? It's the opposition camp, which has a worldview and a mindset. If news from one location, they believe pretty much everything that you would imagine coming from the U.S. government, why go? And then you have the folks, uh, I would say, much more larger percentage of much poorer population, because why those supporters is larger than the middle and the upper class, uh, and then the other percentage of the population that has actually had gains under the Bolivarian process and the first the Chavez administration and the Buddha administration, um, and who oftentimes and who are, are either supporting Maduro or are, are just fed up with everything. Obviously, you know, there is not a humanitarian crisis happening in Venezuela right now, but there is a crisis happening. And that's because people don't have access to, say, the food and medicine and things like that, because things are really, really expensive. Those products are there. They're just really expensive. People can't um, access them. So in general, however, people, the first thing that people have talked about uh, is, A, they don't want U.S. Uh, invasion. They don't want U.S. Uh, you know, telling the Venezuelan people what they should be doing. Uh, that's a, a bottom line. B, people who have been with this process are still with the process. This is not a country, this is not Maduro who's about to, 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 to fail and his government's going to topple because the people are against him. And you saw that in the day that Guaidudo called for a military uprising. Thousands of people hit the streets and, and <clears throat> went to meet a Floyd to try and defend the, the process. But at the same time, people are really, really upset. There is corruption within the Maduro government. Um, state industries and things have, uh, have been scuttled. People are not clear about why things have been happening, why things have been so bad. But we also have to understand that there's been a major economic war against Venezuela, and that economic war has, has caused this hyperinflation um, and, is, and the, with the focus of trying to, to ground the Venezuelan process, the build of the Venezuelan revolution, uh, kind of into the ground and into nothing. Um, and obviously the government is trying to do what it can. But So you have these two different worldviews, and that's the, 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 the important key thing for a lot of people. In the work you've done, the research you've conducted, the time you've spent in Venezuela, what's your own view of where things might go from here? Clearly, Guaido's attempt at a direct military assault on power has failed dismally, yet he remains defiant in his rhetoric. Meanwhile, the American government, led in particular by the National Security Advisor John Bolton, continues to impose heavy sanctions as well as openly threaten military intervention. Um, Alex, this is, this is another really good question. A, the sanctions are real. And according to a report from the Center for Economic and Policy Research in Washington that was published roughly two weeks ago, 40,000 people have been killed by the sanctions <clears throat> over the last couple of years. Uh, and that's because people don't have access to medicine. Uh, it's because people, uh, hundreds of thousands to millions of people don't have access to water because when the pumps break, they can't get them fixed. Um, and I was meeting with the person in charge of the distribution of antiviral meds for uh, HIV patients, and he is very concerned about what this might mean in just the next couple months 
if they can't get more antiviral meds. So if the U.S. government continues these sanctions, the impact on the Venezuelan people will continue, and it's going to lead to an even greater death count. The issue is that we don't hear about that, right? Because that's not things that are in the streets. We're talking about what the reality is for Venezuelan people. The hardships will continue. Um, <clears throat> one of the major things that people are really concerned about at this point is some sort of a proxy war, uh, you know, reminiscent of, say, Central America with the Contras. Just in the days following Lavo's uh, attempted military coup, there was, there was a helicopter crash where several members of the, the Venezuelan National Guard were killed. Uh, there was a raid on the Venezuelan National Guard near the border with Colombia, and also several members of the National Guard were killed. These are things that were, that were, not, very, that were not reported widely in the press, but they're things that are, that are worrying people on the ground, because if you look at what, what the next steps could be for a U.S. government interested in toppling Maduro, there's kind of two different directions. You can even, you could either up it in the direction of, of U.S. military invasion, which is something that uh, Trump has been insinuating just recently. And like there's, there's an article in the New York Times that I read today that he might not be really so willing in, in to, to, to send in the, the military. But what they, they might be willing to do, and this opens back to Central America, and obviously there's top U.S. officials that had major roles in, uh, in, in the, the Contra Wars and the proxy wars in Central America in the 1980s. Uh, and that would be, you know, to, to, to fund the paramilitaries, to, to kind of get arms into the opposition and try and, um, and create a, a, a civil war, essentially, in Venezuela. Now, all of this would be devastating, and it is important to remember that you have the, <clears throat> the Venezuelan armed forces, which is roughly 800,000 um, soldiers, but then you also have roughly 2 million um, people who are involved in the militias, right? which is the, the, the Venezuelan grassroots militias where people, they've been trained to pick up arms. They do weekly or biweekly trainings where they prepare in the case of U.S. invasion, that type of thing. And these are people that are not going to lay down their arms and say, oh, yeah, come on in, U.S. government, come on in, opposition. So it's important to understand that these people are willing to stand up. It's put their, their lives in the line for what they say is democracy in Venezuela and the Maduro government. Uh, and it's, it is very concerning about where the, what the future could hold.